speaking, it was done. Welcome to sermons from St. Paul's Lutheran Church of Minot, North Dakota. St. Paul's is anchored in the message of Christ crucified for the forgiveness of sins, for the church and for the world. The following sermon is from Reverend Dr. Matthew Richard. The epistle is from Romans chapter 13. Owe no one anything except to love each other, for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone, the day is at hand. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality or sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In the name of Jesus. Amen. You know, if I had a dollar every time a person apologized to me as a pastor with this collar on, every time that they apologized to me for their inappropriate actions, well, I'd be a wealthy man. I'd be very wealthy. For example, several weeks ago, when I was at a gas station, one of the clerks had a blow-up and unleashed her tongue against another employee, only to look over and see me standing at the front desk. The other clerk raised her hands as if to indicate and point in my direction, are you blind? Do you see who's standing here? You messed up royally in front of a religious man wearing a collar. Wow, this coarse clerk, she then made a sloppy sign of the cross, a sloppy sign of the cross over her head and said, oh no, I'm definitely going to hell. I'm so sorry, Reverend. I'll watch my language next time. I'll try to do better. You see, somewhere along the way, this clerk, she came to see the church and the pastor is advocating for the opposite of evil and vice. Yes, the church was advocating the opposite of evil and vice. Obviously, she had come to see Christianity as mainly existing to promote good morals and well-behaved citizens, which, I might add, she was not doing too well at the time. Now, let me be perfectly clear. Let me be crystal clear. The Christian church is certainly in favor of good morals and good ethics. Unlike many liberal churches in America, the true church is not, the true church does not dismiss the law of God as if it does not matter. Good works, good morals, and good ethics they matter. They're important to the Christian and the church. And they're also important for culture. However, for the church, it must be very clearly stated that good behavior is not, I repeat, it is not the opposite of bad behavior. For the Christian, good works are not the opposite of bad works. Or we could say it this way. We could say that virtue is not the opposite of vice. Indeed, virtue is not the opposite of vice. 
Back to that coarse clerk at the gas station, I made sure to try and drive this point home to her by saying this, Ma'am, I'm an old hockey player. Strong language doesn't really phase me that much. However, if you were to use Jesus' name as a cuss word, well, then we would have an issue. We'd have a problem. Indeed, we would have a problem. With both clerks looking a bit confused, I continued, why on earth would we ever use Jesus' name as a cuss word when he died to forgive us of all of our sins? Why well, figure, I figure, the way I figure, if a guy dies and rises from the grave to give us forgiveness, life, and salvation, to raise us from the dead, well, yes, well, well, we should respect that individual. We should not use his name as a cuss word. Do you hear what I'm saying? You see, both of these clerks needed to understand that the opposite of a foul tongue was not a righteous tongue. The opposite of vice is not virtue. The opposite of evil is not goodness. So if this is the case, what is the opposite of vice? What is the opposite of evil? In a simple word, get this, Christ, Jesus, the opposite of vice is not virtue, and the opposite of evil is not goodness. It is Jesus. It is Christ. Again, the opposite of evil and vice is not to do better and try harder, but it is Christ, your Lord. Now, did you notice what the Apostle Paul stated in our epistle reading from Romans this morning? Get this, he actually denounced superficiality. He denounced overindulging, sleeping around, degeneracy, bickering and grabbing everything in sight. He throws orgies and drunkenness and sexual immorality and sensuality and quarreling and jealousy under the bus. He tosses them under the bus, calls them out for what they are, evil. But then he does not tell the readers in Rome, nor you, to be clever-headed, to be chaste, to be agreeable and content. No, instead, mark this, Get this, instead, he tells them, quite literally, to sink into Jesus, to sink into Christ. He tells them to be clothed, to settle into Christ. For the Apostle Paul, all roads led to Jesus. Now, dear friends, consider this a moment. Even if you and I were to quit all of our habitual cursing, our habitual boozing, womanizing, gossiping, prideful arrogance, and lazy attitudes, if we were to quit all of this, this would not make you, and it would not make me, a godly Christian. That is right, if you and I were to become squeaky clean, prim and proper, this would not make you a godly Christian. Hear this loud and clear. Hell welcomes the Christless rule keeper, just as much as it welcomes the godless radical. And so whether you are walking the straight and narrow or hell-bent on destruction, if you are not sunk into Jesus, well, you've got nothing. You've got nothing. To many people's surprise, hell is going to have religious monks and crooked drug lords alike, both who have rejected and forgotten Jesus, the Christ. And so, beware this morning, Beware this morning of taking the wrong turn, of not getting and understanding Jesus. 
Yes, it is indeed good to reject orgies and drunkenness, sexual immorality, sensuality, quarreling and jealousy. Indeed, it is good to reject these things. It's good, right, and true. These are sin. But if you have rejected these things and sunk yourself into a clear-headed, chaste, agreeable, and content life without Christ, well, you're still in the dark. You're no better off. You're still a citizen of the kingdom of sin. You're still a citizen of darkness. You see, having a well-polished life in the kingdom of sin and the kingdom of darkness means absolutely nothing. It's like being, <laughs> it's like being a polished tomb with dead bones on the inside. It's like being a cup that's washed on the outside but dirty and filthy on the inside. It's like having a vibrantly decorated house but still remaining blind. Tragically, tragically, way too many people in America are so busy decorating their spiritual houses with pretty flowers and well-mowed lawns and beautiful curtains while not stopping to realize that these spiritual houses are still a part of the kingdom of darkness. So if this is true, and it is, what should a person do? Well, that is where the message of Advent comes into view this morning. You see, Advent is not about what you and I do. It's not about the movement we take. Advent is what Jesus has done. And what has your Jesus done? Well, your Jesus came to humanity to redeem humanity from the clutches of death through his birth, crucifixion, and resurrection. He came to redeem. Your Jesus, he came to you in the waters of baptism to get this, to snatch you out of darkness to make you a citizen of light, the kingdom of God. And someday your Jesus will come to you again and raise you out of the grave, snatch you to himself for eternity with a new body. Dear friends, your Jesus draws near to you because he is not a distant God. He's not content to leave you in the kingdom of darkness and sin to try and somehow make the best of things, decorating the kingdom of darkness. Instead, he draws near to you. He draws near to you to draw you unto himself, to take you unto himself. Please listen to this very carefully. Indeed, listen to this very carefully. Please sit up in that pew and open your ears. And hear this, Jesus does not remove sin from you, leaving you in darkness, but instead he removes you from darkness to bring you into the kingdom of light. Never forget, being a Christian is not about you redecorating your spiritual life, but it is about you being transferred by Jesus' life and his death and his resurrection from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. Yes, the kingdom of light snatched from darkness unto Christ. Now, with all of this said, there's always someone out there that responds to this glorious gospel message, this good news, by saying this. But what about good works? Can a Christian do whatever he wants? Should we keep on sinning so God can keep on forgiving? Are you saying that we shouldn't try and improve our life to improve our life? Baptized saints, think of it this way. If you were removed from a country where sin was supreme and in control, how can you still live in an old house that is in that country? In other words, 
In other words, if you no longer belong to a country of sin, if you've left it for good, turn your back on it and no longer abide there, how can you continue to live in it, in a country that you've already left? You can't. And so you can't give provision to darkness and sin when you belong to Jesus. Christ has nothing to do with darkness and neither do you. You are children of the light. You are forgiven. You're baptized. You're claimed unto Christ. But again, but again, we, we, we struggle, don't we? We struggle with this reality because we keep on sinning. But why is it this way? You see, there's a part of us, it's a part of me, there's a part of you, that will always want to return back to the kingdom of darkness. Indeed, there's a part of us that always wants to go back to the darkness itself, which we call the old Adam, the sinful nature. And as you know, this old Adam, this sinful nature, is prone to wander, is prone to leave the God that we love, prone to leave Christ. This old Adam likes to come along and kick off the garments of Christ, like, get this, like an angry child trying to get off those wet snow pants, grunting and moaning and kicking those boots off and squirming out of those wet snow pants. The old Adam cannot stand the kingdom of light. And so there's only one solution. There's only one solution for this old Adam. This old Adam is not to be given any provision, any quarter, any sympathy in the kingdom of light. Instead, the old Adam must be drug out into the town square to drown and die again and again and again through repentance and absolution, being returned back to your baptisms. You see, when the old Adam tries to pull you back to the kingdom of darkness, that is where the Holy Spirit comes and pulls you and me back right here to our baptisms where it all began to know that we belong to Jesus, we're centered in him, and that we belong to the kingdom of light, the kingdom of God. And right here at this font, right here in this confession, right here in this absolution, your old Adam drowns again and again and again as you are centered in Jesus, as you are placed in him. And there, sunk in Christ, not only do you have forgiveness, life, and salvation, but the Lord Jesus Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, get this, he bears fruit in you. He creates holy impulses, of, impulses in you. Baptized saints, your Jesus comes to you so that you may be sunk into him. And when you are sunk in Jesus, when you are buried with him in baptism, indeed, when you are sunk into Jesus, your sins, well, they're sunk as well. You're forgiven. You're redeemed. And so, baptized saints of St. Paul's, make no provision for the old Adam, for you belong not to darkness, but you belong to Christ. You belong to the kingdom of light. You belong to life and salvation. Put on the full armor of God, which is a gift to you. Indeed, put it on. It's a gift. It's for you. It's where you belong. And never forget that you belong not to darkness, but you belong to the day. You are Christians. You are baptized. You are forgiven. You belong to Christ. We are sunk in him. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thy strong word bespeaks us righteous, bright with thine own holiness. Thank you for listening to today's podcast sermon. You can access a full manuscript of today's sermon from Pastor Matthew Richard's blog at www.pastormatrichard.org or visit St. Paul's website at www.stpaulsminot.org The Lord bless and keep you.